With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Welcome back to another edition of A Victory Week for Mile High Report Radio Uh it's, it's just an exciting time. It's fun to be talking about the Broncos right now and not be talking about your typical um, draft pick. Where do we stand? What do we want to see? What we want to see is more wins because we're in the hunt. We are we are hunting tigers this week, if you, if you will. So um, pretty exciting time, right, Ian? Absolutely. And... The fact that we're not talking about embracing the tank or if they're going to try to get a quarterback and reach or what do they do, we're talking playoffs. 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 
At least we're not talking about practice. Hopefully that meme dies. But since we're in between holidays, we just got done with Thanksgiving, getting ready for Christmas. In the spirit of that, I'm I'm hoping that we can get uh, listeners of the podcast who haven't rated or reviewed us on Apple Podcasts to do so. Give us a five star. Leave us what you like about it. And then also check out the latest podcast, the Mile High Report Network, which is Broncos and Bratwurst. And we're hoping to build the network to add a few more shows, have a couple in the works. We'll see if anything comes of them over the next couple of weeks, uh, maybe probably for the off season and heading into the, the 2019 season, but definitely check out Broncos and Bratwurst and subscribe on whichever network you get your podcasts and please rate and review us on Apple podcasts to help us shoot up and get more visibility so people can listen to us. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing with those, uh, you know, ratings and reviews and whatnot, we actually do, we read the reviews because we like to see what people think of the show, but also I think we've done a pretty good job of taking, I would say the constructive criticism we've received and, and, you know, incorporating some improvements there when, when necessary, obviously if somebody just says they don't like our show, that's, you know, you know, they just don't know what they're talking about. But when people have constructive criticism, I think we take that under advisement. Absolutely. The recent uh, criticism of the negativity, I think we've, we've tried to turn that around a little bit and it helps that the Broncos have helped us turn that around a little bit. We don't have to feel um, so negative about the season. So that always is a good thing as well. So yeah, rate, review, check us out, uh, subscribe. And then Broncos and Bratwurst, is a, it's, it's a good show. Kevin does a nice job. Uh, it's nice to have him on board with the Mile High Report uh, network. It's it's really cool, some of the things that are happening right now. Um, what, with makes us. Cool, what makes it cool about Broncos and Bratwurst is that he does it from Munich, Germany. The commitment is real. I mean, the time difference just messes everything up. And so it's really just uh, to, to, to see somebody commit to that from all the way across the pond. Very cool stuff. So uh, it's definitely a cool thing to have as a part of our network. And definitely give him a follow on Twitter. You can follow him at Kevy Gillikin. It's kind of weird, but it's K E V V Y. Y, and then his last name is G-I-L-I-K-I-N. So definitely give him a follow on Twitter if you want to. And he sends out his Broncos and Bratwurst pot, uh, podcast and interact with him. Hit him up. Yeah, should be one coming out um, pretty soon. It's out now. Next, yeah, the next one's out now, right? Yep. I, I still don't know his schedule. I just know that when I see it, I listen to it. It's good stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a fun listen. So anyway, I think let's let's jump into what we've got going on, right? It's time to get to our show a little bit here, and uh, the the fun is back, the enjoyment is back. You took a little heat this week for your winners and losers uh, on the community, and then I thought you did a nice job of of kind of addressing that. And your article that came out yesterday was was pretty good uh, as far as looking at the good things that Vance Joseph had done, because if if you didn't read it. If you didn't notice it, which I would be shocked by with the number of <laughs> the number of comments on your uh, winners and losers, Ian did put Vance Joseph in as one of his losers from the game, and 
I don't know. What would you say? You took a little heat from that and then decided to, to maybe turn it around a little bit? It wasn't so much about the heat that I was getting, but that I could see what they were com- where they were coming from, which is d- way different for me because when I wrote it and I had my wife read it because she used to be a paginator and a copy editor and she's very good at copy editing. So I like to have her uh, read it and get an eye on it. And that's my journalism background. I like to get somebody else's eyes on it to make sure that it reads well. And I didn't have a drop comma or stupid grammatical errors that I tend to get. But the her first reaction to it was, I can't believe you wrote that because <laughs> it's a complete 180 because I, I'm so black and white that I, I, I always think that I'm right. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. But when I when I saw the reaction to it, and it was a visceral reaction to it, the only other time I've gotten a reaction like that, not even during the, the Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon stuff, it was when I was writing in Wyoming. So that, that forced me to take a step back and be like, okay. And I tied into what you said on the podcast about how you have to give him credit for at least getting the team ready. And, they, and they've and they been ready the last two weeks. And if we're going to give him credit, if we're going to give, if we're going to blame him for the way things have gone the last season and a half, how unprepared they are, how they don't show up, how he constantly has the deer in the headlights look, the team's been ready. And the players have said it. Derek Wolf has said it. Domita Pecco has said it. Basically, everyone on the team has said that it's because of Vance Joseph, that they're buying into his system. And you have to, you have to give him credit. He's the head coach. They've won two games against two playoff teams, two of the best teams in the AFC. So I wanted to acknowledge that I saw what they were saying, that I get it. So it was kind of like a mea culpa for me. And I was also throwing some shade on myself. Right. And, you know, I will say, I don't think that you were wrong in your assessment of, of Vance Joseph in that game. He, he made the mistake there. Um, I, th- I think what people just want is when things are going well, they, they don't like they would have preferred if you had just done all winners. Right. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in, in feeling good about things right after a game. We don't want to see the bad stuff. Let's just celebrate. Right. And so. I think if it had been today, if you'd gone gone about you know looking at it today and saying, hey, okay, but what about this, right? Then you could have then people maybe would have looked at it a little differently. But sometimes you just don't you just don't want anybody you know taking a dump in your Cheerios kind of thing. So um, especially right after you pour them into the bowl, right? Because then it's like, whoa, I just poured those. And now they you know they're and they're not the cocoa Cheerios like you're hoping for. Those are don't eat those Cheerios. So I just wanted to acknowledge that you did. A, I thought you did a really nice job. I thought your winners and losers made sense, and I, I appreciated it. And then your I wouldn't even call it a mea culpa. I think it was just recognizing maybe we got Maybe we should back off a little bit, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I'm not sure that I'm ready to say that Vance Joseph should come back next year. I'm but, definitely not ready to say that because I think both can be true. I think you can still say what I did in the winners losers. And then turn around and say what I did in that column on Monday, which I think is right. I think I think that's the point I'm trying to make. I think they were both correct, and some people are going to agree with you, and some people are not, and, and that's just the way that it is, and, and it's okay by me. So no big deal there. And we are on to Cincinnati. 
as Von Miller and Bill Belichick have said. I don't I, talk about a meme that's never going to die. No, it, it's anytime anybody plays Cincinnati, you get to say we're on to Cincinnati. So um, yeah, that one's a that's a forever meme right there. Is it, are we excited about this game? Are we? Is it is it hard to to get excited for a game where the starting quarterback isn't going to be there? Well, what's funny is, so you we got the injury news on Monday earlier in the day about Jeff Hireman and Shaq Barrett. If you haven't heard, Jeff Hireman is out for the year. He went on to IR with broken ribs and a bruised lung. How do you get a bruised lung? Uh, you you got to get hit pretty hard. He must have taken a real shot. And then Shaq Barrett's out two to four weeks. He's hoping that it's two weeks, but the max is probably about a month. But then later in the day, we got word from the Bengals that Andy Dalton was going on IR with his thumb injury. And if you didn't see it, I proceeded to tweet, the Broncos got some tough injury news. Bengals got some savage news <laughs> because that savage. forced them to sign Tom Savage, and they lost the Red Rider BB gun. Oh my goodness! So they won't be they they won't be able to fire the BB gun, but they will be savage. But maybe we know Tom Savage is not necessarily savage, and he's not even starting. Right? It's it'll be Driscoll. It'll be Jeff Driscoll. So, so that leads into my key to the game. Oh, and to, to answer your question, yes, I think it's exciting because they made it through a tough stretch. To beat two teams at the top of the AFC playoffs right now, and Pittsburgh was the number two seed coming into that game and had won, what, like five or six games in a was, row? It was five or six, yeah. Might have been six. So to head into Cincinnati, to not have to face Andy Dalton, don't be the Broncos. <laughs> Don't lose this game. You won two games against two good teams. Don't crap yourself now, especially against Jeff frickin' Driscoll. Dominate. Dominate. Prove that those two games, those two wins, weren't a fluke, that you weren't lucky. Because the one thing that people have said is not what the Broncos did, but it's what the Steelers and the Chargers didn't do. That's been basically the theme from the last two wins for the Broncos, is not anything that the Broncos did. It's what the Chargers and the Steelers didn't do. So change the subject. Force them to talk about the Broncos by absolutely destroying the Bengals like they did the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I. you know what? It's interesting. Um, you bring up... <laughs> the mistakes that were made by the Chargers and the and the the Steelers and it's it's these two quarterbacks that are sort of linked right Rivers and and Roethlisberger are same draft and Roethlisberger has had the you know the team success with the Super Bowls but Rivers has been really good a lot of lot you know a lot of numbers right high you know big numbers but then it was mistakes by the quarterbacks at the end of the game in both of those games that won uh, the game for the for the Broncos against the Steelers with the interception in the end zone by Shelby Harris. But then Phillip Rivers, which we didn't talk enough about, I don't think, when he throws that you know incomplete pass 
with however many, you know, however much time was left on the clock, allowing the Broncos to then drive down the field and kick a field goal to win that game. I mean, those are two big time quarterbacks with a lot of experience that made mistakes. So I can see the argument that, hey, the, you know, the Broncos got lucky here. These two quarterbacks really screwed up, and that's why they won. So I, I like your point. Go, you, you have to go out and prove it, right? It's like when you're playing a game of horse and, you know, you drain a, a three-pointer for E and the guy you're playing misses, but then you got to prove it, right? you gotta, you got to drain that three-pointer again to show that you're the winner. And that's not always easy to do, and this is their opportunity to prove some things. And, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Don't be the Broncos, right? Don't don't revert back to whatever it was that we were seeing during that that stretch of games where, I mean, they just were terrible. And, and I think a big part of that, and that takes me into my key to the game, is the offensive line. The offensive line has to continue to be as good as they've been the last two weeks. And I can't believe we're saying that because this is a patchwork offensive line that when I was, when I was on with, with Andrew Mason and Ryan Edwards and, and the great Steve Atwater on uh, you know first and 10 at 10, that was when the, the news came out about Max Garcia. And it was over, right? The offensive line was in shambles. And then they've gone out and they've played really well. So they have to continue that. And I think that plays off of your key, which is to continue to play well and don't don't screw it up now, right? So the offensive line needs to continue to be effective. They need to protect Case Keenum because he's been good. No turnovers, right? Because he's been protected. Keep him clean. You keep him clean. You keep opening up holes for Philip Lindsay and maybe a little bit of Royce Freeman as well. I think you're looking at another hand, a handy win rather than one where they're they're nail biting at the end. And it's exciting because the Broncos have struggled on the road the last three years. Even when Gary Kubiak was the head coach, prior to that win over the Chargers. They hadn't won a game that wasn't played on Thursday on the road since December of 2016 when Paxton Lynch was the quarterback. So the fact that they actually have a chance to put a winning streak together, to win three games, to win two on the road, again, it goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast. And then I said in my column, you have to give credit to Vance Joseph for that. He's the head coach. And what will be interesting is to see how the players respond to this, because this is going to be different for them. They've been the underdog the last two, three, four weeks, maybe longer. And now they're going to be favored. I think they're like four and a half point favorites over the Bengals now on the road in the early game. I mean, this this has let down game all over it. This would be the, this would be the classic college trap game, right? This is, you know, this is playing little sisters of the poor right before your big rival. And then little sisters of the poor beats you because you were thinking about your rival. So I'm not, not saying they can't win, but that you're right. This is one that you got. You almost have to be cautious about the way you approach this game. And that actually, I think that that brings us to the you know the players to watch, right? So we do our players to watch every week here. And um, 
for me, and I'll just jump right in with mine. I, for me, it's the offensive line. I've been talking about it. It makes the most sense. Watching the offensive line, and if you want to be specific, I think um, watching the interior of the offensive line, the, you know, those guys that really are supposed to be tackles that are playing, uh, you know, that are playing at the guard position, I think, and Connor McGovern, who's playing center, I think those are the guys that you want to pay attention to. If they're having a good game, the Broncos are probably going to win. If they're not, if they're struggling, if there's if there's penalties, if there's you know if there's problems in protection, it could make for a long Sunday. For me, offensively, it's Philip Lindsay, and not because of what he'll do running the ball. It's because Cincinnati's defense struggles covering running backs as receivers. So if Bill Musgrave is smart, and I don't think we can if. go there yet. That's a big if. I'm not I'm not quite ready for that. He'll use Philip Lindsay as a receiver and give him another eight to ten touches as a receiver because as we've said before, he's filthy and he's fun to watch and he's dangerous. So Bill Musgrave. Get filthy. Get him the ball. Just get, just get him the ball. He needs his touches, right? The, it boggles the mind. And then it, it sort of brings me to the the tweet from uh, – I don't remember who sent out the tweet earlier, but then I, Albright responded to it where in the interview Vance Joseph, with Vance Joseph this week, he said that he didn't think they need to get Philip Lindsay the ball any more than they already are because they won the last two games. And to me, that just that just blows me away. That's one where you can criticize Vance Joseph. And maybe it's coach speak, right? Maybe he's just blowing smoke. But the idea that as effective as he's been, you don't want to work the ball to him even more is sort of strange to me. Just because you won the last two games doesn't mean you can't get any better. Doesn't mean you can't, you know, adjust a little bit to continue to go to your strength. That that bothered me. Th- that one after after kind of a, a nice couple of weeks, he said something like that, and it sort of set me off. He was like, "Oh, there's 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 the old Vance Joseph that we know and love." How ridiculous was that statement? But what yeah. what upset me about it is because I had just written that column and I was extending my hand basically, and what he did was take my hand and slap me in the face with my own hand. <laughs> It had to be frustrating for you to sort of throw out the like, well, I guess, you know, we got to give him credit. I'm sorry. Oh, really? Did you really just say that? Ah, Did you have to be Vance Joseph at that moment? I thought we were getting better. I thought we were improving. And no. But, I I mean, that that doesn't mean they won't get the ball to Philip Lindsay more. It just was was frustrating to hear. Uh, Defensively, speaking of frustrating – my player to watch is Von Miller. Von Miller struck you. You had him as as one of your losers. You took a little you took a little heat for that as well. Um, not as not as much as the Vance Joseph heat, but you, you know we've talked about it a few times this this season. Von Miller has disappeared at times, and in that game against the Steelers, he was non-existent. Now I will credit the Steelers. They they ran away from Von. They had two and three blockers that he had to get through. He was being held often, although I think the the referees in that game weren't calling holding on anybody because I, I you could point to a few times when the Broncos were probably holding and not getting called for it as well. The so, most egregious was Garrett Holds with 
a holding that I don't know how I, I could miss it. Yeah, I, I you had to have had your eyes closed or something. I don't know, but I do think that this is the type of game that with a quarterback like Jeff Driscoll behind, you know, under center, Von Miller can wreck this game if he wants to. And I I don't know if he wants to. He seems like he wants to. I I don't think he's out there, you know, going seventy percent. He just is. He's just not making the plays, and I don't. I don't know if it's because of scheme. I don't know if it's because, you know, they've got two and three blockers, and he's getting chipped, and he's got to deal with the, you know, he's got to deal with the tackle, and then the running back or tackle and tight end. And I get it. He's he's fighting through a lot of stuff, but he's he's got to get through it, and he's got to get to the quarterback, and he needs to get a couple of sacks, and and I think that would go a long way to the Broncos winning this game. I totally agree with you because that the he deserved to be in the losers. When you see how Aaron Donald is playing, when he's double teamed seventy percent of the time, and he's still able to wreck games, Von Miller should be able to do that if he is a generational player like we all say he is, and he is. But I don't remember Derek Thomas ever disappearing. It definitely didn't happen with Lawrence Taylor. Well, he'd disappear for a while, but it wasn't during the game. It was like during the week where he'd go and he'd be gone. And you know what he was doing, and I'm not going to get into it. But um, Ooh, I see what you did there. Yeah. You plopped it out there and expected I, it to perform. And I think that it did. I it did. I think that it did. So. It, it, it did. That was well played. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I I, I do think that you're – you know, we've talked about it for a while now. He's he He's got to be – a factor in every game. What's interesting is that he did get half a sack. So he has a chance to extend his personal sack streak on Sunday to seven games, I think. I believe so. It's it's six. That's a lot of S's. That's a lot of sound, you know. (laughs) It's almost too much. But that ties into my player to watch. Justin Simmons, because for all the raving that we did when he was drafted out of Boston College, Steve Atwater compared him to Dennis Smith, and Steve Atwater knows safeties. Yeah. He hasn't played like Steve Smith, and Steve Smith was a receiver. That's a, that's a weird weird comparison to make, but I think what you're saying is he's playing safety like Steve Smith would play safety. Yes. And that's not good because he's not a safety. I get it. All right. I'm with you. I had to, you know, I had to figure it out. I did. I got there. It, you got it. But he he has to be a factor that, that's not special teams. It's great that he's blocked kicks. That's not what you're paid to do. That should be an added benefit. That should be on top of everything you're doing as a safety. At this point, it's the only thing he's doing. Because if he wasn't doing that, there's no point for him even being on the roster. Because he's just wasted space back there at this point. You'd be better not having anyone there than Justin Simmons at this point. So he has got to step up 
and play a great game because they're going to need the secondary to make plays over the course of this next five games if they want to make a playoff run. They cannot get torched to the tune of 846 yards passing like the Broncos have the last two weeks and expect to continue to win. And yeah. against Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> and, and against if Jeff if Driscoll. They give up, if, if they give up yardage to Jeff Driscoll, this secondary is in deep, deep trouble. And I think it's in deep trouble now. It'll be in deep, deep trouble if that happens on Sunday. So Justin Simmons, strap up. Be the safety Steve Atwater said, and he thinks you can be. That's a good point. And, and I, I will tell you, you get high praise from Steve Atwater. That that means something, but you got to live up to it. Um, I, I will say this for, for Mr. Simmons. His blocked kicks, if you, if you go back and look at his blocked kicks, they are always pivotal in a game. The, every block kick he has ever had, I think, is a huge factor in the game. I don't think he's had a blocked kick where it was like, yeah, well, whatever. We were up by 40 and it didn't matter. I think it's like, you know, go back to the Saints game where he blocks the kick and Will Parks takes it the other way and and scores the two-point conversion. The, the game against the Steelers, that blocked kick was huge. I mean, it. you're right. He's got to do more than that. But when he does do it, it matters. So you, can, <laughs> it's kind of cool the way that his blocked kicks matter. But now I'd like the rest of his play to matter. To live up to it, to to equal it. Yeah, it, he's taken. It's safe to say at this point in the season, he's taken a step back from last year. Absolutely, like his yeah. play has gotten worse. And you know, I I know that I kind of made the joke about every time somebody you know somebody catches the ball, Chris Harris. You know, if Chris Harris is covering the guy, he turns around and he blames somebody. But it seems like Simmons is mis is misreading plays a lot, and Chris Harris is looking to him for for him to do one thing, and he's doing another thing. And that's a problem. That that's leaving your cornerbacks out to dry, and and that's not good, because then you got guys getting burned. That really, it just wasn't their assignment anymore. The other, the other guy to keep an eye on, and he's not a player for either team. It's the it's the referee. Ron Torbert is going to be the referee for this game, and if that name sounds familiar, he did a Broncos game earlier this year in Baltimore. Uh oh. And that was the Philip Lindsay ejection game. So we'll see what happens with this game because someone's going to need to talk about have a better game. The Broncos should be expecting Ron Torbert to be better and his crew to be better this Sunday in Cincinnati. Because if he has another outing like he did in Baltimore – that's a problem. Oh yeah, I, you know what? I don't like to get into the the blaming of the refs too much, and I I do think that there was a lot of turnover this year in the NFL with the referees. Ed Hockley is gone, yeah, you know that kind of thing. The Gene Gene Steratores of the world are, are are gone. Guys with a ton of experience, right? They're no longer referees, so you've you've got some shifting around, and you've got some new guys, and I think that plays a part. At this point in the season, this far into the season, those kinds of things should be cleaned up. The Baltimore game was early on. This game is later. I would like to think that there won't be an issue there simply because 
it's later in the season. So because it's later in the season, you don't have to worry about it as much and it shouldn't be an issue. That doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen, but it would be nice if that's what happened. I think it's important because, as you said, we're getting later into the season. This is where the officiating needs to be low-key. You don't recognize the officials. You don't know who it is. They just do their job because that's what games like this need. You don't need NBA officials deciding that I'm going to make this about me as so often has happened over the last 20 years in the NBA or country Joe West in the, in the, in the major league baseball, you know, as a, as an umpire making everything about himself. Exactly. So just be low key, do your job. If it's blatant, call it. If it's not, don't, don't make a big hubbub out of it. And, don't eject Philip Lindsay. And don't watch Garrett Bowles. Just don't even look at him. Just pretend that he's not there. Yeah, take a cue from the officiating crew against the Steelers. Yeah. He's not he's not even there. He doesn't exist. It's like it's like Casper the Ghost. Big gigantic ghost. Who will hold you? Who who will he'll grab you. Don't you worry. He'll grab you. Um you got a score prediction? I wrote mine down. You did not. You're you were flying by the seat of your pants here. I'm winging it. 34-13 Broncos. Whoa, that's a big win. That's a big win. I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far. 34? Okay. All right. Well, I, might be a might be a defensive touchdown. I could see might that. Might be a special teams touchdown. Oh, there you go. Okay. I'd take either one of those. That'd be fine. Uh I I got 27-17 Broncos. I think they still I think they still are a little slow on offense as far as scoring goes. But I, but I think they come away with 27 points. Maybe that extra seven points is that defensive touchdown you're talking about. So I'd be okay with being wrong about that. But that 27-17, 17 seems to be a magic number for this defense. They can hold teams to 17. The Broncos should win. I think that's been the key for this team since like 2010. Just <laughs> 17 points, the Broncos win. Somebody should, You know what? Somebody should look into that. Maybe Joe will do it. Joe does does the number digging or Jeff or somebody. Somebody will dig into that, I'm sure. When the Broncos give up 17 or fewer, what's their record? Here's someone else to keep an eye on because we saw how much of a difference he made against the team he used to coach. Hugh Jackson, he could be the difference maker. And if you can't tell that there's sarcasm font on that, yes, but I think Hugh uh, Jackson could play a huge role in this game. A huge, I see what you, a huge role. I see what you did there. I got gotcha. you. That's funny. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Um, let's look at the, let's look at the schedule. Should we look at the schedule? Let's do it. And I, I I will say right now, the game that has implications for the Broncos, and we can get into who is. Right now, with the Broncos in terms of the wild card spots at the sixth seed, because you have the Ravens, you have the Colts, the Dolphins, the Titans. I think, and I pointed this out in that same Vance Joseph column on Monday. I think the team to keep an eye on in terms of path to the wild card spot for the Broncos is the Chargers. Because this Sunday, on Sunday Night Football, they're in Pittsburgh. 
And in terms of injury news, as savage as it was for the Bengals, it's potentially worse for the Chargers because I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to be playing on Sunday. No, he's not. Uh, they've already ruled him out as a as a Melvin Gordon owner in fantasy football. Although uh, in that particular league, I'm out of the playoffs anyway, so I don't really care. Um, Melvin Gordon is out against the Steelers this week. So you're going into Pittsburgh across the country without your top running back, and the team you're playing against just lost to a team in your division. I think the Steelers are going to be motivated. Yeah, motivated to say the least. And it's and it's a primetime game. So it's Sunday night under the lights. I I if I was a Chargers fan, I'd be worried about this game because I I think that the Steelers are going to be looking for some type of revenge and they can't get it against the Broncos. The Chargers are the next best thing. And when you look at their schedule, Compared to what the Broncos have, because the Broncos, after they play Cincinnati, they have Cleveland at home, mm-hmm. and then they have the Raiders, mm-hmm. and then they have the Chargers. Yes. The Chargers, meanwhile, after they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, I should have had the schedule ready, but they have the Steelers, and then they host the Bengals, which is no big deal. Probably a win now, yeah. But after that, they go on the road to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. And then they host the Baltimore Ravens. And then, and then, and then, and then, and no then. more and then. <laughs> I didn't know we were they, going there. They end the season against the Broncos. So it is, when, when I say that the path to the Broncos getting a playoff spot might be the best through the Chargers. That's why they they go on the road for the Steelers and the Chiefs, then host the Ravens, then at Denver. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I do still think the Broncos have to win out to get in. Uh, that hasn't well, changed. You know, nine and seven's not doing it. But I think that the Chargers are they're a target that they could they could get to, right? That's that's a that's a an achievable goal, and then it just it all depends on what the other teams in the in the AFC do. Um, you know what what does Baltimore do? What do the Colts do? You know, ba- Baltimore holds the tiebreaker against the Broncos because they beat the Broncos head to head, and that's that's going to be a problem as far as getting into the playoffs. But if the Chargers fall off, like they could do. Um, that could be the opening that the Broncos need to get in. It's just a matter of winning the rest of their games, um, which which is a great one to look at. Uh, any other games that jump out this well, week? Well, in terms of implications for the Broncos, it's the Colts and the Jaguars because another team that holds a tiebreaker over the Broncos is the Texans. And with the way Andrew Luck and the Colts are playing right now, you want the Texans to continue to win because you don't want to have that tiebreaker hanging over you. Right. Yeah, you want the Texans just to take the division and, and move on. And and they could. They should, I think. I mean, they're a good enough team that they probably should. Um, and they, they play the Browns this week in kind of an interesting matchup. Are, are the Browns for real? Um, not pro- against that defense. Probably not against that defense. I think uh, Baker Mayfield's going to – 
going to have a different outcome against against the Texans than he did against the Bengals. Even though Hugh Jackson was there to help the Bengals, uh, you know, it was sort of a shock, sort of a surprise that he didn't make the Bengals' defense better, in my opinion. But you know, that's also sarcasm font for you. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's another good one. Super important for the Broncos to pay attention to that one as well. And then on on the other side, then, or what else are we looking at here? Keep you're doing a great job. Keep going. In terms of playoff implications for the Broncos, again, the Ravens are in Atlanta, and Atlanta's always better at home, and they're coming off a tough loss to the Saints on Thanksgiving. So I, it, it'll be an interesting matchup. I don't, I don't know if the Ravens have anybody to stop Julio Jones, but for some reason the Falcons don't throw to Julio Jones. Yeah, uh, you don't have to have anybody to stop Julio Jones. The Falcons do that on their own. It's it's not necessary for you to come up with somebody. They'll take care of it. No big deal. Uh, you know, the other thing about the Falcons is they'll be a little more rested. They got kind of that mini-buy where they played on Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving, and now they're playing on a Sunday. So they get a little extra rest as well. Um, that should work in their favor. It would be nice if they could win that game. I, I will be rooting for the Falcons in that one. And I think they actually will win that game. Yeah. But but in terms of overall, there's two games. The 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 first one is Thursday night. I I think the Saints are gonna absolutely lay wood to the Cowboys. I just I don't think the Cowboys have any way to stop that offense. But the thing that is standing out about the Saints is they have a defense. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have a defense. And if I've said it before, if if they if, if they went out and the Rams continue to win out too, they have the, the Saints have the tiebreaker and would host the NFC playoffs. And I don't see anyone in the NFC going into the Superdome and beating Drew Brees. It's just not going to happen. I think the only quarterback who could potentially do it is Aaron Rodgers, but he's going to have to go on an incredible run himself to even be in the discussion because it's going to be himself. Mike McCarthy is not doing him any favors at all. No, he's not. You know, it was funny to watch that, you know, the, the soundbite of him saying, you know, we're going to go and beat the Cardinals and then we got to go and beat the, I can't remember who all they're playing. We got to beat the, you know, we got to beat the bears. We got to beat the, he just named every team that they were playing for the rest of the season. We got, then we got to go beat them and then we got to go beat them and then we got to go beat them. And then at the end he goes, and then we need a little help. <laughs> Even Aaron Rodgers knows that getting into the playoffs for this Packers team is its not very likely. I, I think they're, they might actually be in the same scenario as the Broncos, right? They need to win out, and they also need a little bit of help. And, I, and that's where the Broncos are as well. So um, we just don't have Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. Oh, I would give anything to have Aaron Rodgers as, as the Broncos quarterback. Would you give Von Miller? I would I would absolutely consider it. I totally would consider it. It'd be a, Aaron be a... Rodgers with this team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I... he doesn't miss Demarius Thomas on that touchdown against the Chiefs. Well, I don't know. He he made some overthrows, but he's I mean he's also playing injured too. I wonder how much that's affecting him. I don't think he would have been injured at that point. I think I think Aaron Rodgers could have completed that pass left-handed with his right arm tied behind his back. That's a, yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough way to. While holding a beer. Wow, in his throwing hand, 
<laughs> no, that would be tough. That'd be impossible. <laughs> and then the other game, I think a lot of, especially fans in Minnesota, thought could be a potential Super Bowl, and that's the Vikings and the Patriots in New England. And I, we'll see. The Vikings still have a great defense, and Mike Zimmer knows how to call a great defense. I just don't think Kirk Cousins is going to go on the road into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I wish they would. I, I love watching the Patriots lose. I wish they would. Uh, you know, the other one that you didn't mention, I'll mention it, Chiefs and Raiders. The Chiefs at the Raiders is just an old-time AFC West rivalry game that, you know, if it's on, I'll watch it and and hope for the worst for both teams. I think the Chiefs could actually drop 60 on the Raiders. I think they could. I think the question is, will they, right? Like, is it that important to Andy Reid to, to score all those points? Well, they'll probably be up by 40, at, you know, at halftime. So my guess is you won't see much of Patrick Mahomes in the second half or Kareem Hunt or, you know, you name it. They're going to drop Kelsey. <laughs> yes, that also. So I, I think that they're going to – I don't think they'll score 60 because I just – I think they'll call the dogs off. That very well could happen because I, I I don't think the Raiders want to play for John Gruden. I don't think anybody wants to play for John Gruden, but that's you know that's neither here nor there. Um, all right, well, that's a good look at the schedule. Anything else we got to cover before we say hasta mañana's? On to Cincinnati. All right. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or... I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.